The Grandeur of Yasser Arafat by Gilles Deleuze The Palestinian cause is first and foremost the set of injustices that these people have suffered and continue to suffer. These injustices are acts of violence, but also illogicalities, false reasonings, false guarantees that claim to compensate or vindicate them. Arafat needed only one word to describe the broken promises, the violated agreements at the moment of the Sabra and Shatila massacres. Shame. Shame. It's said that this is not a genocide. And yet it's a story that consists of many orators. From the very beginning, Zionist terrorism was practiced not solely against the English, but on the Arab villages which had to disappear. Irgun was very active in this respect. From beginning to end, it involved acting as if Palestinian people not only must not exist, but had never existed. The conquerors were those who had themselves suffered the greatest genocide in history. Of this genocide, the Zionists have made an absolute evil. But transforming the greatest genocide in history into an absolute evil is a religious and mystical vision, not a historical vision. It doesn't stop the evil. On the contrary, it spreads the evil, makes it fall once again on other innocents, demands reparation that makes others suffer part of what the Jews suffered, expulsion, restriction to ghettos, disappearance as a people. With colder means than genocide, one ends up with the same result. The United States and Europe owed reparation to the Jews. And they made a people about whom the least that could be said is that they had no hand and were singularly innocent of any Holocaust and hadn't even heard of it pay this reparation. It's there that the grotesque begins, as well as the violence. Zionism, then the state of Israel will demand that the Palestinians recognize its right. But the state of Israel will never stop denying the very fact of a Palestinian people. They will never speak of Palestinians, but of the Arabs of Palestine, as if they found themselves there by chance or in error. And later they will act as if the expelled Palestinians came from outside. They will not speak of the first war of resistance that the Palestinians led all alone. Since they have not recognized Israel's right, they will be made into descendants of Hitler. But Israel reserves the right to deny their existence in fact. Here begins a fiction that had to stretch further and further and to weigh on all those who defended the Palestinian cause. This fiction, this wager of Israel's, was to make all those who would contest the de facto conditions and actions of the Zionist state appear as anti-Semites. This operation finds its source in Israel's cold politics with respect to the Palestinians. From the start, Israel has never concealed its goal to empty the Palestinian territory, and even better, to act as if the Palestinian territory were empty, always destined for the Zionists. It was clearly a matter of colonization, but not in the 19th century European sense. The local inhabitants would not be exploited. They would be made to leave. Those who remained would be made not into a dependent territorial workforce, but rather into a mobile and detached workforce, as if they were immigrants placed in a ghetto. From the start, lands are bought on the condition that they be empty of occupants, or can be emptied. 
It's a genocide, but one in which physical extermination remains subordinated to geographical evacuation. Being only Arabs in general, the surviving Palestinians must go merge with the other Arabs. Physical extermination, though it may or may not be entrusted to mercenaries, is almost certainly present. But this isn't a genocide, they say, since it's not the final goal. In reality, it's just one means among others. The complicity of the United States with Israel does not arise solely from the Zionist lobby. Elias Sandbar has shown clearly how the United States rediscovered in Israel an aspect of its own history. The extermination of the Indians, or Native Americans, which, there as well, was only in part directly physical. It was a matter of emptying, as if there had never been Native Americans, except in the ghettos, which were made for them as immigrants from inside. In many respects, the Palestinians are the new Native Americans, the Native Americans of Israel. Marxist analysis reveals the two complementary movements of capitalism, constantly to impose limits within which it develops and exploits its own system, and always to push these limits farther back, to exceed them in order to begin its own foundation once again on a larger and more intense scale. Pushing back limits was the act of American capitalism, the American dream, taken up by Israel and the dream of greater Israel on Arab territory, on the backs of Arabs. How the Palestinian people learned to resist and are resisting. How a people of an ancient lineage became an armed nation. How they gave themselves a body which didn't simply represent them, but embodied them, outside their territory and without a state. All these events demanded a great historical character, one who, we might say from a Western point of view, could have stepped out of Shakespeare, and that was Arafat. It wasn't the first time in history that something like this has happened. The French can think of the free France, except for the fact that it had a smaller popular base at the beginning. And all the occasions on which the solution or element of solution was possible, occasions that the Israelis have deliberately, knowingly destroyed, are not happening for the first time in history either. The Israelis held on to their religious position of denying not only the Palestinian right, but also the Palestinian fact. They cleansed themselves of their own terrorism by treating the Palestinians as terrorists from outside. And precisely because the Palestinians were not that, but rather were a specific people as different from other Arabs as Europeans can be among themselves, they could expect only ambiguous aid from the Arab states themselves, aid which sometimes turned back into hostility and extermination when the Palestinian model became dangerous for them. The Palestinians have run through all the infernal cycles of history, the failure of solutions each time they were possible, the worst reversals of alliance of which they bore the brunt, the most solemn promises not kept. And on all this, their resistance had to nourish itself. It may well be that one of the goals of the Sabra and Shatila massacres was to discredit Arafat. He only consented to the departure of the combatants, the force of which remained intact, on condition that the security of their families be absolutely guaranteed by the United States, and even by Israel. After the massacres, he had no other word than shame. If the ensuing crisis for the PLO resulted in more or less the long term, 
either in an integration into an Arab state or in a dissolution into Muslim fundamentalism, then it could be said that the Palestinian people had effectively disappeared. But this would be in such conditions that the world, the United States and even Israel, would not finish regretting the lost occasions, including those that remain possible today. To Israel's arrogant formula, we are not a people like others. The Palestinians have not stopped responding with the cry that was invoked in the first issue of the Review of Palestinian Studies. We are a people like others. We only want to be that. By leading the terrorist war in Lebanon, Israel believed it could suppress the PLO and deprive it of the support that Palestinian people already deprived of their land. And perhaps it is succeeding, since in surrounded Tripoli there is nothing more than the physical presence of Arafat among his own, all in a sort of solitary grandeur. But the Palestinian people will not lose their identity without creating in its place a double terrorism, of the state and of religion, which will profit from their disappearance and render impossible any peaceful settlement with Israel. From the war in Lebanon, Israel itself will not escape merely morally divided and economically disorganized. It will find itself faced with the mirror image of its own intolerance. A political solution, a peaceful settlement, is possible only with an independent PLO, which will not have disappeared into an already existing state and will not be lost among the diverse Islamic movements. The disappearance of the PLO would only be a victory for the blind forces of war, indifferent to the survival of the Palestinian people. Stones by Gilles Deleuze Europe owes its Jews an infinite debt that Europe has not even begun to pay. Instead, an innocent people is being made to pay the Palestinians. The Zionists have constructed the state of Israel out of the recent past of their genocide, that unforgettable European horror, but also out of the suffering of this other people, using the stones of this other people. Irgun was labeled a terrorist organization not only because they bombed English neighborhoods, but also because they destroyed villages, killing innocent people. The Americans have made a multi-billion dollar Western out of the whole affair. We are to believe that the state of Israel has been established in an empty land which has been awaiting the return of the ancient Hebrews for centuries. The ghosts of a few Arabs that are around keeping watch over the sleepy stones came from somewhere else. The Palestinians, tossed aside, forgotten, have been called on to recognize the right of Israel to exist while the Israelis have continued to deny the fact of the existence of a Palestinian people. From the beginning, the Palestinian people have carried out, on their own, a war which continues to this day in defense of their land, their stones, their way of life. No one mentions this first war since it is so crucial to have people believe that Palestinians are Arabs from somewhere else, and who can go back. Who will disentangle all these Jordans? Who will speak up and say that the ties between a Palestinian and another Arab may be strong, but no stronger than those between two nations of Europe? 
And what Palestinian can forget what they have suffered at the hands of their Arab neighbors, not to mention those of the Israelis? What is the crux of this new debt? The Palestinians, chased from their land, have settled where they can at least keep this land in sight, preserving their vision of it as the last contact with their hallucinatory being. The Israelis never could chase them away, never completely erase them, cover them in the oblivion of night. The destruction of villages, houses dynamited, expulsions, assassinations, a history of horrors has started anew, once again on the backs of the innocent. They say the Israeli secret service is the envy of the world. But what sort of democracy is it whose politics are indistinguishable from the actions of its secret service? They're all named Abu, declares an Israeli official after the assassination of Abu Jihad. Does he recall the hideous sound of those voices that said, They're all named Levi. How will Israel succeed? With its annexed lands, its occupied territories, with its settlers and its settlements, with its lunatic rabbis, through occupation, infinite occupation, the stones raining down on them come from within. They come from the Palestinian people to remind us that there is a place in the world, no matter how confined, where the debt has been reversed. The stones thrown from the hands of the Palestinians are their stones, the living stones of their country. A debt cannot be paid with one, two, three, seven, ten murders a day, and it cannot be paid with third-party agreements. The third party is ultimately nowhere to be found. Every death calls out to the living, and the Palestinians have become part of the soul of Israel. The Palestinians sound the depths of that soul and torment it with their piercing stones.